Wealth Within offers a range of investment and educational services to help you secure your financial future. Whether you're an aspiring trader or simply want to increase the strength of your portfolio, Wealth Within are dedicated to maximising your investment returns. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. I'd like to talk to you today about returns. And the reason why I'm um, wanting to talk about that today is a couple of fold. One is uh, this morning I actually spoke to a, a student of ours and I'll tell you that story in a second. But uh, the other reason is I've got the, a, a recent report um, from Morningstar sent to me in the last week and it's annual asset class returns financial year, meaning obviously 1st of July to the 30th of June. So therefore that's why I've got it um, this week or in the last last week anyway. But it's for the last 20 years and what it's doing is is ranking seven different asset classes from 1994 to 2013 over a 20-year history. So the asset classes are cash, Australian fixed interest, international fixed interest and hedged, well that's what it says, um, Australian listed property, Australian equity, small caps and international equity. Now those of you who read my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%, you'll know that there's a story in there where I was at a um, financial planning type seminar and uh, the company there at the financial planning seminar was saying get into international equities and they showed returns of Australian equities versus international equities. Um, and then I went home and, and actually crunched some numbers on all that using their returns and worked out that if you'd done exactly what they'd said um, over the previous 10 years, you would have made less money on international equities than you would on Australian equities. So when I looked at this report, it looks like a well, they call it a checkerboard, basically, but it's just a mass of colours and, and numbers, etc. But really what the report says, it really sort of backs up uh, what I was talking about in my book. So if we look at, if I look at the top line, as I said, it's, it, there's basically a year, years, it goes across in years, and I will try and, I might try and do a um, a webinar on this and put it up into our YouTube page, but um, I don't have that yet. So I just look out for this, and I might show you this report and actually have a bit of a chat about it in a little bit more detail. But if I look down the columns from 1994, um, it lists you know cash at 5.6% in 1994 was the best performing asset class. In 2013, it said international equities at 33.1%. And obviously, you go, and you go down ranking the seven asset classes. Interesting thing is that's the only 1994 was the only time that cash actually was at top. Even in the more recent um, GFC, that we've not seen cash be up the top. And in fact, cash, if I look across there, the, the highest ranking that cash has had since then um, was 2007, 2008, where we had it was third on the list. And then in 2011, which was also third on the list. And uh, pretty much all of those times, Australian equities outranked cash um, in terms of 2007, Cash was 6.7 and Australian equities were 16.1. The next time that uh, cash was on, on that line was 7%. And Australian equities was down in 2008 at minus 38.4. But if we go to 2011 where cash was ranked third at 4.8%. We also had the Australian market go down um, at that stage as well. But the interesting thing is if you look across the top line of the highest ranked sectors, you see international equities there four times and you see you see it there four times and only the Australian share market once in 2005. But if you go down to the next two lines or the next two levels, so the second and third ranked for those particular years, Australia's right across the board there um, in, in that there's, you don't see, inter, you only see international equities twice and, and in, the, in those period, in that 20 years, but you see the Australian share market about 11 or 12 times. 
But when you go down to the bottom of the lowest ranked sector in those 20 years, you see international equities all over the place again. So what it's doing is, is whilst I'm probably being a little bit cryptic in what I'm talking about because you can't see what I'm talking about, what it's doing is really confirming what I talked about in my book, that just because an asset class rises a lot doesn't mean it's the best asset class for you to be in because I always talk about it, what, what you do not lose determines how much you make. And just making, making, uh, getting into a market or getting into a stock and making 30 or 50 or 60% or 100% in one year doesn't necessarily make a good investment because if the next year it halves in price or goes down 100%, then that makes it a bad investment. And this is where the volatility you need to look at it. So what this is proving to me is the Australian share market is less volatile than other markets. So it's always not about what you make on any one year. And that's why I keep talking about with my traders that I'm teaching um, and I put out in my uh, information, my book, or whatever whatever I'm putting out, it's what you do not lose that determines how much you make. And so by getting into an asset class that performed last year, which is what a lot of the amateurs do or the unprofessional do, they see how, um, you know, the small ordinaries or the small cap shares, you know, went 20 30 50% last year. So then they jump into them this year thinking they're going to get those sorts of returns. But generally the next year... Um, they tank. For example, in 2010, the small caps actually made 13.1%, while the Australian share market was really going sideways and nowhere. And yet the next year, the same small ordinaries were down 21.4%. So I just wonder why people didn't make much money. Uh, the following two years, so it was the lowest ranked class in 2011 at minus 21.4%. 2012 was second last at 6.6%. And 2013, it was minus 5.3% after having two very good years in 2009 and 2010. So people using those that, that, that sector would have been losing the money that they made in the previous two years. Now that leads me into my story of this lady that I spoke to this morning. I she happened to ring in. She's one of our students and she I just happened to pick up the phone um, and have a chat to her and, and she wanted to talk to me about something or us about something to do with her course. And she works for uh, one of those tax agents. I forget what it's called again. You know, one of you go into, they have a shop front. And she works for one of those tax agents. She had a gentleman come in to her the other day um, on Saturday. And uh, he was looking to get a, obviously, the tax return done, but looking to get um, a write-off for some interest he'd paid. He got a, a, he'd withdraw some money on his housing loan to put into a, what I would only call a speculative share. She'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of it before. And it was a share that he bought for less than one cent or around one cent. And the reason why he bought it, because he said his mate or his friend said it was going to double in price. And she went, oh, that's great. How long have you owned it? Uh, the answer was he's owned it for two years. And yet he pulled out $100,000 out of his housing loan at more than 6% or 6 7% or whatever, whatever you're paying on the housing loan. And only to see his position halve in price. It's worth $50,000. Now, he couldn't see that, that there's anything wrong with all of that because he just said, well, I haven't lost any money because I've still got the shares. And he'd been going sideways and down for two years. And then when she said to him, well, you know, you really do need to know what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, she's, I'm doing this course. You know, it's, it's the tuition fee, $6,000 that would teach you how to do this better. And he goes, no, I'm not interested in that. It's too expensive. And then I said to her, I said, well, that's interesting because he would have paid $6,000 just in interest in the last 12 months. And she said, yes, you're correct. He paid more than $6,000 in interest in the last 12 months. And he's done that with the luxury or that he's had the privilege of losing $50,000 and it costing him $6,000 on top of that. And the thing is, is a lot of people put the cart before the horse. And this is what I often say to people is, you know, don't invest in trading something you know. And also, the second thing I actually said to this lady, um, as I said, who's a student of ours, 
I said, it was interesting. I said, did you ask him if his friend was rich? And she laughed. And, I, and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, why would you take investment advice off somebody that didn't, wasn't an expert at that investment advice? And that's another interesting point. And, and uh, straight after that call, I had another chat with another lady who has said she's been trading for a few years. And I said, how do you trade? And she, her answer was ComSec. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, I use some technical analysis and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, so how have you learned that? I've just read some books. I said, how are you trading? She said, very average, up and down. And that was interesting. So two calls in a row, and there's another lady who's uneducated. And I said, I, I said to her, I said, okay, so you know, you've, you've seen our course over 12 months ago. You came to our website over 12 months ago. And you looked at our course, and, and she said, oh, yeah, I don't have time. Maybe when I retire, I have time. And I said, so how much how do you trade? When do you trade? On how much do you trade? She goes, I trade every day. I said, interesting. So you would spend more than two hours a day trading? She goes, yes. I said, and you can't afford one hour a day to learn how to do it even better to make more money? And the thing is, is uh, as I mentioned to a lot of our, or our students who attended our Art of Trading workshop in May, I said most people, a lot of people, trade not to lose rather than to win and both of those people in terms of the lady that I met to uh, talk to today or both, uh, the, in terms of who was the trader and also the gentleman that visited the tax consultant both of them are playing to lose or or not to win in terms of they're doing things that are opposite to what they should be actually doing because at the end of the day the share market is there and it will be trading all the time but the thing is is some people don't want to take the time to get the understanding and the knowledge to actually do it better. So they're thinking they're delaying making more money by stopping trading and actually doing a course to learn how to do it better. But what you're actually doing is the opposite of actually speeding up the process because the time it takes you to read books and go to seminars, etc., 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 to try and get the knowledge and the skill to do it is generally four and five times longer than it is to just to do our course and actually start trading profitably while doing it. And, I, and it's quite hard for me to say that to a lot of people because they go, well, now, you're only saying that because you educate people. And no, I'm not. Because it's, uh, the reason why I'm saying it is because it's actually true is that if you start off the right way, and there's, uh, there's a saying that I, I mentioned to some of our students on, on a forum um, only a couple of weeks ago that I was with our students, and I said, what, a, what, a, um, what an uneducated man does in the end, a wise man does in the beginning. And I'll leave you with that. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Um, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. Take care and have a great week. Talking Wealth was brought to you by Wealth Within. To learn how you too can maximise your investment returns, call 1300 Share Trade.